Our scripture this morning is Luke 8, verses 1 through 3. Luke 8, 1 through 3. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Brett Sweet, one of the pastors here at GCF, where we exist to glorify God through gospel-centered worship evangelism, discipleship, and community. We're glad you're here. We're in a series through the book of Luke. I have this very short text today. And since it's the last week of the month, we have questions and answers after the service. So you're welcome to email any questions about the church service, about Christianity, about the sermon, anything. And then I'll I'll answer at least a few of them. So let me pray, though, and ask God to help us. Lord, we are at your mercy If you wanted to call in all accounts and end our lives and indeed the history of the world at this moment, you are free to do that. And we pray, therefore, that we would be humble before you and we would be dependent on you. And we ask that you would send your spirit to reveal your meaning in these texts, these verses. We pray that you would help me to be helpful Lord, there's a remarkable Savior here. We ask that he would be displayed in all of his glory, and that is beyond me, but it's the work of your Holy Spirit. So we pray you would send him. Help us to listen well. Help me to speak well. Help me to be, do much more good than any harm, and we pray that anything that is untrue or unhelpful would be forgotten, and that we would come away rejoicing and worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. The appraiser in his green suit asks the elderly man, Ted, are you a wealthy man? He responds, no. What we're looking at here is the most important piece I've ever seen on the Antiques Roadshow. On a really bad day, really bad day, this would sell for $350,000. That was years ago. It's important now, its importance now is so great that most think it would be over a million dollars. Ted had no idea how important this was. After all, it was only a blanket, a wool blanket sewn by Navajo weavers for chiefs of the Ute tribe. When he heard its value, Ted's response was, it's been hanging on the back of a chair. Ted was learning the importance of something, of his blanket, from an expert, and it changed his life. Now imagine if you had that important blanket, this Navajo blanket, but you didn't understand how important it was. You might end up using that valuable blanket as a bed for your dog, or you might put it over your windshield 
during the winter to keep the frost from forming on it. But I'm sure when Ted learned the importance of this blanket, he went away treating it differently. He admired it. He respected it. He honored it. But first, he needed to learn its importance. Throughout history, the world has been filled with people far more valuable than a million dollars. They are women, made in the image of God, living forever in heaven or hell. When trillion-dollar empires crash into the dust, fade into the sea, or whatever will happen, women will remain. But like Ted's blanket, history shows that there's a tremendous amount of misunderstanding and ignorance about how important women really are. So we need to learn. We need to learn how important women are. So should we learn from Aristotle? The great philosopher who says this, the female is a female by virtue of a certain lack of qualities. We should regard the female nature as afflicted with a natural defectiveness. That's Greek philosophy. Should we learn from the great ancient Roman statesman Cato the Elder, also known as Cato the Wise, when he says, woman is a violent and uncontrolled animal. If we learn from them, we'll think that women are not important. Or maybe we should learn from our culture. Maybe women are only important purely based on their sex appeal or on their buying power, their shopping habits. We will not learn the importance of women from any of these places. Nowhere. But Luke 8, 1 through 3 corrects all of this. So we see here in Luke 8, 1 through 3, this overarching principle. Learn the importance of women from Jesus. Learn the importance of women from Jesus. Jesus is going to show us how important women are. We must learn from him. Luke's gospel, by the way, has this eye towards outcasts, looking towards those who are left out, the disabled the Gentile, the non-Jewish person, the leper. In his time, that list includes women. In his gospel, Luke accounts 16 story units about women, with women really at the core. Eleven of them are found only in Luke's gospel. So he cares about women. He's revealing Jesus' thoughts about women. He's revealing how Jesus cares for women. And through Luke, Jesus is going to show us that women are immensely important, equally important as men. We're going to learn four things, and I'll list them as we go, but four things will help us learn the importance of women. Lesson number one that we need to learn. Lesson one, learn that Jesus leads attentive women. Learn that Jesus leads, he leads them, attentive women, those that pay attention. Learn that Jesus leads attentive women. Let's look at verses 1 and 2, the beginning of verse 2 anyhow. Soon afterwards, he, that's Jesus, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women. We'll see later that there's many others. But Jesus here is the main character. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
That's not only the good news of how we get from earth to heaven, the kingdom of God is also how heaven in Jesus Christ is becoming and starting to come down to earth and will sooner or later fill the whole world in his second coming. Because Jesus, the king, has come and entered the world. And here, these women, often ignored by others, rejected by others, are being led by Jesus, the king, because they are attentive to his preaching, claiming and bringing the good news. Women are so important, it seems, that they are to respond to this preaching exactly the same way as men, by paying attention and following Jesus. Exactly the same way. Follow King Jesus with faith. Women who won't pay attention to Jesus will have no part in Jesus. So attentive women are led by Jesus. For those who are attentive, they will live and find Jesus as their loving leader who will be with them. But see, we live, if we think about attention, in a very distracting and distracted age. It's hard for anyone to pay attention to Jesus with all these screens. So I notice things on Sunday mornings about ladies and when I'm sometimes in your homes and when I bump into you at the store. Perhaps you hear that Jesus leads attentive women and that's not good news for you. You feel like with all you're trying to manage, you can hardly pay attention at all. It feels impossible to pay attention to preaching when you're trying to take care of a baby who's crying. It's, it's hard to listen to the Spirit's prompting. But see, Jesus knows your importance, ladies. Jesus knows your frame and your limitations. His gospel is for you. His good news is for you. It's not a waste to persevere and only catch five minutes of a sermon because you're distracted. That's not a waste. It's not a waste to only read two verses a day instead of none. Husbands, our wives are too important. This is convicting to me. We need to grow in giving our wives time to spend with Jesus, to be attentive to Jesus, to be led by Jesus. We want our wives led by Jesus. So sometimes we need to be the one who takes the kids out during the service. If it's a newborn, it's hungry, that's not helpful, I get it. But lots of times we can help. At home, we can take the dog out. That darn dog. Give our wives some time. Women are too important. They're too important. So learn the importance of women from Jesus. Lesson one is that we must learn that Jesus leads attentive women. Learn that Jesus leads attentive women. Lesson two that we must learn. Lesson two, learn that Jesus includes devoted women. Learn that Jesus includes devoted women. He includes them. He brings them in. We learn that by reading verse one and verse two again. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him, and also some women. Now, perhaps there's a little hint here of formal offices held by men with the mention of the twelve, but that's not the main point here. The main point of this whole passage 
is that it's absolutely remarkable in this time period that women would be included right there with men. They're not separated. They're right there with Jesus. He includes them. They were devoted, and there they are. If we were to learn from Jesus' contemporaries, itinerant ministers like him, maybe traveling around, traveling rabbis, it was fairly normal to be financially supported by, by wealthy women. It was very, almost unheard of, that women would travel with a minister like this. Travel with him. Learn from him. Be included with the men. Jesus includes these devoted women. And Luke is here celebrating that these are women. He goes out of his way. They're women. He mentions that, that word. And then we'll mention names. One of my favorite actresses of this century has been Ellen Page. She's smart and witty, talented. But while she looked feminine on screen or at some red carpet events several years ago, she started to think something inside wasn't quite right. Wasn't quite right. It, to be acceptable to herself, according to her cultural views, she needed to downplay her creation as a woman. She has since had surgery to be more like a man. Now she goes by Elliot, wants to be referred to as he and him. She's looking for a solution to what's wrong within us. And a lot of us can relate. We look inside and things don't feel quite right and we're trying to find a solution somewhere. Sometimes we aren't sure of who we are or what we are. We're wondering. This seems so strange to many of us, but Elliot Page is not expressing anything new. Nothing new. In the false gospel, it's not a gospel at all, known as the Gospel of Thomas, also not written by Thomas, so neither a gospel nor written by Thomas, we see Greek philosophy at play, distorting the Jesus who thinks women are important. It's called Gnosticism. It's corrupting the true Jesus, and here's how it views women. When you hear some liberal uh, theologian out there saying, you should be reading the Gospel of Thomas, ask them about this. This is what it says in that fake, false, pretend gospel. Simon Peter said to them, let Mary go away from us, for women are not worthy of life. Fake Jesus says this, look, I will draw her in so as to make her male, so that she too may become a living male spirit, similar to you. But I say to you, every woman who makes herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Here is our culture, here are ancient Greeks saying the same thing. To really be valuable, you've got to be a man. To really be important, you can't be a woman. To be included in the proper echelons of society, to be included in the kingdom of God, you can't be a woman. But learn from Jesus, don't learn from them. Jesus includes devoted women. They're right there. He includes them. You don't need to change your physiology. You don't need to deny how God has made you. Jesus includes devoted women. So, this passage gives us 
a proper biblical policy and an example of inclusion. This is important for us to see. Titus 2 gives us these very helpful examples. Older men discipling younger men, older women discipling younger women, and we follow that example with our discipleship groups and our counseling situations. I think there's wisdom in that. There's a lot of wisdom in that. But the fact is that Jesus includes devoted women. So it should also correct something of an overreaction that some Christians have, including some pastors. This viewpoint that maybe women are seductresses, need to be held at arm's length. Jesus does not seem to view them that way, does not avoid them. He includes them. It should be possible for a man with the Holy Spirit and a woman with the Holy Spirit to interact in a holy and godly way, in a manner that is honoring to God. This is why we won't practice what some denominations historically have by having all the men sit on this side of the church and all the women sit on this side of the church. This is why I think it's good that our home groups have men and women together. I think that's a good thing. I love that in our small groups. Jesus includes devoted women, and the church must imitate its master. So learn the importance of women from Jesus, not from anywhere else. Learn that Jesus leads attentive women. Learn that Jesus includes devoted women. Now, number three, lesson three, third lesson, learn that Jesus loves hurting women. And that doesn't mean he, means that he wants to hurt them, but if you're hurting, if you're a woman who is hurting, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves women who are hurting. We saw that last week, Jesus forgives sinful women, and all people are sinners. Now we see something else glorious. Let's read the end of verse 1 through most of verse 3. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Kutza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others. These three women are just three named, but they're just a few leaves in a forest, we're told. But think about these women. They are hurting. The hurt of being oppressed by evil spirits. Demons tormenting you. The hurt of sickness and illness. These hurting women came to Jesus, and Jesus lovingly helps them. Jesus loves these hurting women, abused women, neglected women, sin-sick women, suffering women. Jesus loves them. Women and men of this world and women of men of this congregation I don't know who needs to hear this, but we all need to be changed, yes, but that's not a prerequisite to Jesus' love. So let me say this to you. It's okay to not be okay. I don't know who needs to hear it. Let me say it again. It's okay 
to not be okay. You feel like something's wrong. You, don't, you feel like you're unlovable. Jesus is saying here, he's showing us here that he loves, her, he loves these women who are hurting. It's okay to not be okay. You do not need to get yourself together. You do not need to downplay your pains, your hurts, your struggles, even your sins. You need to be changed, yes. But Jesus loves these hurting women. And Jesus loves men who are hurting and children who are hurting. We need to hear this. Everyone else wants you to get your act together. You're hurting? Well, you can't perform the job, so you're fired. Oh, you're hurting? And that's going to require a lot of extra effort on my part? I think I want a divorce. You're hurting? Well, you know, it's beyond my medical expertise. Uh, I'm going to give up on you. Maybe you'll find somebody else to help you. Go somewhere else. You've, Jesus, though, loves these women who are hurting. We see it right here. You've committed great sins. You're a well-known prostitute. But we just saw in chapter 7 last week, that didn't stop Jesus from loving her. You've had struggles in your past. Maybe you've experimented with witchcraft or the occult. Jesus loves this woman who had seven demons at work in her. And that doesn't mean she was necessarily practicing witchcraft. It just means the demonic was hard at work in her life. And Jesus loved her. Jesus loved Mary Magdalene who once had seven demons. Jesus loved these hurting women. Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is a name probably connected with uh, a region near Galilee. She's, that's probably where she's from. She had seven demons. There's no reason from Luke to believe that she's the same woman as the woman from chapter 7. No reason to believe that. She was the woman of the city. But we do know that Mary was hurting. She was hurting. She had nowhere to go. She's rejected by others, no question. People are afraid of her. So where does she come? She comes to Jesus. And Jesus does not despise her. Jesus does not avoid her. Jesus loves her. Jesus heals her. And she travels with Jesus. And where does she follow Jesus? John 19.25 tells us she follows Jesus all the way to the cross. But standing by the cross of Jesus, John 19 says, were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. The hurting woman would not leave her master because she knew he loved her. She'd follow him. She probably didn't really understand fully what was going on at the time to see this man on the cross, but perhaps from all of her travels with Jesus, she picked up on the numerous times Jesus predicted this. And it would have been impossible for her to look at Jesus on the cross and not think, the one who loves me is dying. But I wonder if she understood that he was dying because he loved her, dying to bring her into his eternal kingdom, 
dying to satisfy the wrath of God against her sins and against your sins and against mine. He was dying because he loved her. And he was dying because he loves me. The way I can promise you that I know that Jesus loves women who are hurting and men who are sinful and teenagers with anxiety, children who are feeling sad, is because of the cross of Christ. Instead of avoiding the hurt, he felt the hurt in her place taking the wrath of God, the worst part of hell, for her, for you, for me. And if Mary Magdalene was the la- one of the last at the cross, she was the first at the grave. She was the first one, we're told, recorded to see Jesus alive and, and know that he was alive. Remarkable. Jesus loves this hurting woman so much that she has the distinct blessing of probably being the first one to know he's alive. That the wrath of God must fully be satisfied because Jesus isn't paying for it anymore. That she's free. That the payment of death has been paid. And yet Jesus still has, in a sense, change of leftover in his wallet because he's still alive. Believe in Jesus today. Live like these hurting women. Come to Jesus as you are, as a hot mess, as a needy sinner with nothing to offer. Follow him by faith to the cross where he died as a substitute for sinners just like you. Follow him by believing this woman's testimony that he has been raised from the dead. He will love you the way you are the way you are. And love you so much that he will transform you as well. You'll be changed. Now, some of us believe this intellectually, but not experientially. We distort it. Yes, Jesus loves women who are hurting. He loves these hurting women. But Jesus wouldn't love me. Wouldn't love me. Listen to God's word from Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He loved these women, these hurting women 2,000 years ago. He loves them today, and he will love them forever. It's the same God of love who will love you today, and he will love you forever. Who is like this? Who has such a shield of white, pure love that it can't be stained? Nobody. Who else has such open hands that he would never push people away who come to him? No one is like that. Learn the importance of women from Jesus. Women are incredibly important. Jesus is showing us that. He leads attentive women. He includes devoted women. And oh, how he loves these hurting women. Then and now. Lastly, Lesson four, learn that Jesus is aided by generous women. Learn that Jesus is aided, he's helped by generous women. Jesus actually benefits from these women. So learn that Jesus is aided by generous women. I don't know if you're challenged by this text, but I'm challenged by 2 Corinthians 9.11. 
in the context of material blessings, among other things, it says this, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Do you believe that the reason you have money and wealth is to be generous? That's the reason? It's not to spend it on yourself? It's not to save it for a rainy day? It's to be generous? These women got it. I forget that, but they they got it. So let's read these ladies' names and finish with verse 3. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, and the wife of Kutza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. See, we're tempted to think we're important by what we can gather, what we can collect, by what we possess. But here we're told these women are important, they're worth mentioning, by what they give away. Gave so much away. God uses means to accomplish his purposes. We should be generous people. These women, at least the three that are named, are probably especially generous, probably wealthy. Don't know for sure, but probably. And Jesus was aided by them. Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God, and they said, this is so important. We want to help him. We want to aid him. Let's give him what we can. He has infinite power and knowledge at his disposal, but he allows people to help. That's a humble Savior. He doesn't need us. There's a limited sense here. We don't want to drift into some madness, but there is a little limited sense in which Luke wants us to think, without these women... Jesus couldn't have done what he did. They helped provide the practical needs for he and his disciples. They provided for him. They made it possible. As a church, we must learn the importance of women from Jesus. It is good that women are here. Men may have been given leadership responsibilities in certain contexts, but that's no gauge whatsoever of importance, according to Jesus. It's right that women study the same theology. It does not need to be dumbed down. It's right that women be trained to counsel others. It's right that women know how to uh, to handle God's word and share it with others. In the right context, that's important. Women are that important. Jesus proves it. And here's what we can learn from these women, that they would teach us if we were to have a conversation from them. We'd say, well, Jesus is teaching us the importance of women. These women are saying, no, what you really need to get, though, most of all, is the importance of Jesus. Women want you to learn the importance of Jesus, so learn from them. But how do we think practically about this before we end? We're in a challenging culture. These principles are aimed at women, but it'll help the rest of us. The first is this. We should oppose anything that mistreats and distorts women. Let me name some things. Abortion. If you've had an abortion, there's grace for you. But I want you to know that worldwide, the vast majority of unborn, preborn babies that are aborted are women. In Asia, they're aborted because they're women, because they view women as less valuable than men. 
So we should oppose that. Euthanasia says that once a woman is old or really sick, she should just die quickly, save some costs, save some energy. Women are too important. They're made in the image of God. They should be cared for. We should oppose addiction because it destroys women's lives. We should try to help not only their own addiction, but the addiction of men who then mistreat women. We should ardently oppose any form of abuse. In a group this large, the likelihood of a man abusing a woman is high. It needs to end now. Jesus says these women are too important. We'd love to help you make that come to an end. Pornography objectifies women, turns them into options, often brings them into slavery. We have to oppose that. Women are too important. It's not just a picture on a screen. You're taking someone of of value made in the image of God and dehumanizing them. Learn the importance of women from Jesus. There's other things our culture will tell us about women. They'll tell us you're only important until you ha- unless you have it all. You're only important when you got it all. You got to have the husband, the career, the family, the vacation. You got to have it all. You got to have your own blog, whatever. That's a lie. Don't believe it. Jesus proves your importance by treating you as an image bearer of God. He includes you in the kingdom of God as an adoptive daughter to his heavenly father, his sister. You are important for those reasons, which means you can be single, jobless, homeless, and you're still important. So don't believe those lies. This also means that your importance is not derived from what you produce. If you choose to stay home and you have young children, which is usually a wise move, you are not less important than others. There's no mention also of what these women look like or how old they are, yet they are important enough to have their names in the Bible. Their names. So any man that says he's more important than you, you could say, well, there's women that are more important than you because God felt their names need to be in the Bible. Yours isn't. So you don't have to be young and beautiful to be important. It's a glorious thing to follow Christ into old age as you mature spiritually. You're included independent of your fashion or your amount of wrinkles. There's also a temptation to find your importance by being in the right group of people, a clique. Got to be one of the popular ones. But that won't make you important to Jesus. If you're a Christian, you're already accepted by the most important persons in the universe, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not because you have something to offer, because they have everything, they own everything, they need nothing. It's simply because they're full of love. And you're made in the image of God, so they see that in you, and they love you, and they include you. That's the clique you want to be part of. That's the group you don't want to be left out of. 
And they won't exclude you if you come by faith. In the century that followed Jesus' resurrection, it was exceedingly dangerous to be a woman. Very dangerous. Uh, With dangers, there's poor diets, poor medical care, challenges due to childbirth, widespread infanticide of babies because they were female. That meant that women only made up one-third of the Roman Empire's population. Men outnumbered them two to one. But the early church was two-thirds women. Really the exact opposite ratio. That That ratio means that women became Christians not because they were born into Christian families, but because they were actively converted. They wanted to be Christians. There was active conversions. And the pagans, the pagan cultures used to mock Christianity for that. Like, you Christians are so backwards. Look, you can only persuade the poor to be followers. You can only persuade the uneducated. You can only persuade women. So why did these women come to Jesus? Because they found a refuge from the unsafe world around them. Hinduism and Islam today, if we look at the United States, vast majority men, vast majority men, not even close, dominated by men. But women have come to the church. Why? Knowing their sins, knowing their hurts, knowing their needs, they didn't go to ministers, didn't do that. They didn't come for the sacraments, baptism, Communion, that can't save you. They came to the one who knew their importance. They came to the one who proved that they mattered. They came to the one who wouldn't abuse them, but who instead bring them in to the kingdom of God and would suffer in their place. They came to the one who included them. They came to the one who loved them with all of their hurts. They came to Jesus. So learn the importance of women from Jesus. And learn the importance of Jesus from women. And so let's take that with us today. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this text. I pray that we will learn from Jesus. Pray we'll be changed by him. Pray that we'll love our neighbor as ourselves. God, have mercy on us. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Forgive us for our many mistakes. And lead us to the Savior and only Savior of men and women. In Jesus' name, amen.